If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And one of my favorite parts of this show is getting voicemails from you, our our wonderful, curious listeners. And today, we're going to hear about a particularly special adventure. Hello, my name is David Ross from Atlanta, Georgia. In 2016... I walked from London to Rome. I was following in the footsteps of Cedric the Sirius, the Archbishop of Canterbury, who was appointed by the Pope in 990 and was probably the first person to set down a travel log. He actually had to go down from Canterbury to Rome to pick up his credentials from the Pope, and then he wrote about his story because he had to head back. I walked London to Rome in 110 days. I left St. Paul's Cathedral in London on June 20th. I arrived in St. Peter's September 30th. Every day was memorable. There were so many memories. Bye. <laughs> I feel I feel like David is not giving this like sufficient uh pomp and circumstance. Like uh, this is not a walking tour. This is 110 days of walking, thousands of kilometers of walking. I'm personally it sounds like an absolute dream, also physically pretty impressive. And you know, it's funny cuz David like kind of left us in a cliffhanger uh cuz I wanted to know so much more about like what was this like for you. So, uh spoiler, we called him back and he's going to tell us a little bit more about his experience. But I also wanted to get into the history before we hear about uh, his experience, because what he's talking about doing is following the route of a thousand-year-old travelogue. So I wanted to find out all about this English archbishop, Sigeric the Sirius. Maybe it's Cedric the Sirius? It's S-I-G-E-R-I-C, the Sirius. I'm going to say Sigeric. Anyway, Sigeric the Sirius walked from London to Rome to get apparently official archbishop garments from the Pope, which is like kind of an amazing, I'm sure it was much more serious than that, but it feels like this is the world's longest dry cleaning pickup. Like he's traveling for months to basically get some clothes. Anyway, uh, he walked about 1,300 miles. He walked through what is now England, France, Switzerland, Italy, 
all the way to get to Rome. And one of the interesting things is that back then, the towns were all tied together by either these tiny footpaths or, or sometimes full cobblestone roads. And there were inns along the way to make these kinds of journeys possible. Sigeric the Sirius walked to Rome and back because that was basically, you know, the available option. And it wasn't an exaggeration when people said all roads lead to Rome. Rome built most of the the road system, so of course they did. Other people would have made the same journey. But what made Sigeric the Sirius so special is that he documented his entire trip, where he stayed, who he talked to, the monasteries he slept at. And this was hundreds of years before the printing press. So it was passed down through word of mouth. And it came to be known as the Via Francigena. That was the route that he took. Uh, And for a while, it was popular. But eventually, Florence overtook Rome as kind of Italy's central cultural hub. So it made this route to Rome a little less important. And eventually, this path got sort of forgotten until, fast forward all the way, to the 1980s, when an Italian historian named Giovanni Caselli, who had been studying Sigeric the Sirius's route, retraced his steps uh, and did it on foot. And what was amazing was you could still do it. It was still walkable. The paths, the roads, the towns were all there. And since then, the Via Francigena has been getting a little bit popular again. You can even get a pilgrim passport telling you where to go for food and shelter. You get stamps along the way. I I had never heard of any of this until David left us this voicemail. And and now I am like dying to walk this 1300 mile route. Uh, But I also wanted to hear what the actual experience was like. So like I said, we called David back. He didn't do this for religious reasons. He just like loves hiking. And he told us what it was actually like to walk the Via Francigena. I decided to start at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And I thought going from St. Paul's to St. Peter's was kind of a nice bookend. As soon as I got my pilgrim passport stamped at St. Paul's and I walked out the door and I just looked Southeast and it was like, what have I got myself into? Because it's 2000 kilometers to Rome. But thinking about it, well, it's 25 kilometers down to Ashford, and then another 25 kilometers to Kent, and then another 25 kilometers, and you're in Canterbury. By breaking it up like that, it kind of put me at ease. The the nice thing about through hiking is that you have two decisions a day, which is how far do I walk and what do I have for dinner? And everything else just disappears. Average day, up at 7 or whenever the sun would come up, pack everything up. Next stop is grabbing breakfast. You would go through the morning, you would do four hours in the countryside, and then you would hit a town for lunch, and then continue walking till 5 in the evening. And then it was in for dinner, set up a tent, relax for the night. Sometimes it was no more than just a worn footpath, you know, maybe two feet wide. Other times there were actual Roman roads that Caesar walked on. In the town of Terranier, France, it was on the eve of Bastille Day. I was heading into the town and all the hotels were locked up. And so the only place open was this pharmacy. 
I went in and I asked if there was a place to camp and the lady went in back, come back out in a couple of minutes and said, here, go down two kilometers down, there's a conference center, you can, you can camp there. And so I walked down there and it was all dark, but I'd gone around to the side door and was knocked on the door and the door was open. And I'm, you know, hello, hello. And I walked upstairs and all the rooms were locked except one. It was just a bed. You know, I was kind of nervous. I didn't want the police called. Fire, watching the fireworks go off because it was Bastille Day. And the next day, I, you know, I sent off an email to the people saying, you know, I stayed in room eight last night, and, and but they never answered me back. So I would like to consider this trail magic rather than breaking and entering. In Trépal, France, it was one street and then the residents were off on another street, just a bit bigger than a regular alley. One of the things when you get into town is you go to the tourist office to see if, number one, if there was a campground, and then if there was no campground, ask if anybody puts up pilgrims and things like that. So they took me over to this lady's house. We had dinner on the in her farmhouse, and it was cut up carrots and a couple of potatoes, and she cracked a couple of eggs over the top of it, put it in the microwave, and did for like five minutes, and it was one of the best meals I ever had. And thanks to Google Translate, you know, I would text it into her and then show her on my phone and she would laugh and we had a great time. She pulled out a book of past people that had come through her her home and they had the, a picture and then there would be a postcard of when they completed their trip. She took my picture on one of these old Kodak Instamatic cameras. I don't even know where she got the film for it, but that's all she wanted was a postcard when I finished in Rome. 2,100 kilometers, four countries, 110 days, and I arrived in Rome. I stayed four days. Every Wednesday of the week, uh, the Pope has an audience and pilgrims that have hiked the uh, Via Francigena, go right to the head of the line. So I got to, you know, meet Pope Francis and give him my hiking stick. I said, anytime you want to go, you know, you know, I'll be glad to take you. And he he laughed and gave me a blessing and took my took my pilgrim staff. Walking, you're part of it. You're you're part of the landscape. It's like a time when transportation was communication, when people would go from town to town you know, with news. Everything slows down. You can take in the world around you. You're not you're not just moving through the world, you're part of it. What an unbelievable adventure that that David got to go on. And and for him obviously it wasn't a religious pilgrimage, but it clearly had certain aspects of of magic and mysticism to the experience. And I think in the same way that when you drive through a place or bike through it or walk through it, you get a really different sense of that location. You know, I think this is what David got to experience, just the the slowness of moving at the speed of your feet and the way that lets you tune into your surroundings and the people around you. And, and you know, for me, this is a lot of what Atlas Obscura is about. It's about sort of making the space to tune into those small moments of wonder. And, you know, like David said, 
it makes it more possible to be a part of your surroundings and to get to know all of the people who call these places home. Uh, and if you remember, David talked about staying with this woman in France who had a big book of pictures uh, and postcards that hikers had sent her after they'd done the whole route. When as soon as I got to the Vatican, I got a big, I got a nice big postcard, sent it to right to her. David is now in that book. One more entry among all of these people who have walked this incredible route, taken the, the very scenic route from London to Rome. And to me, it makes it feel like I, this is something maybe I could do too. What an amazing way to travel. I want to give a huge thank you to David for sharing this incredible journey with us. I loved, I loved hearing this message. Uh, and our lines are always open, whether you're, you know, walking around the world or just down a back street in your hometown. We want to hear about it. We want to hear about the wonders that you find, about the magical places you've traveled to, or memorable people you've met along the way. To do so, just record a voice memo and send it to us at hello at atlasobscura.com. Or you can call us and leave a message at 315-992-7902. I can't wait to hear about all of your incredible journeys. Thanks for taking this journey with us, and I will see you next time. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Katie Thornton, The Serious. And I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll talk to you soon. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.